and it says three, two, one, roll the. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Simon Severino. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and how they solved them? That's exactly what we do here at the Strategy Sprints podcast every day. And in this episode, we explore with the order of your brand should be gay, even if you're not, how to position your brand to attract ideal clients and turn them into raving fans. Welcome, everybody. Re Perez. Hey there, how's it going? <laughs> so cool. What are you currently creating? Yeah, so just coming off of the back of uh, launching my book, I, uh, and I have a branding agency. What I'm also what I'm creating currently, in addition to that, is an opportunity to create a partnership and certification program for other branding agencies and marketing agencies and coaches and consultants who really want to learn a lot of the 25 plus years of experience that I have in, in brand building, working for some of the top global branding firms, working with Fortune 500 brands, and now in the past 10 years, advising uh, hundreds of small to mid-sized businesses. So that's I'm really excited about that because, you know, uh, as an agency, we're not going to brand every single business, but we can certainly impact and help other businesses elevate their practice and their opportunity to create the, the real transformation that is available with the kind of branding as we're approaching it, how, how we're approaching building brands. That's beautiful because then you can have a much bigger impact on many more people. We, That's we right. run a certification uh, program ourselves. So uh, yes. the ripple effects are beautiful and you can be in, in many time zones and uh, help many people. That's right. Uh, and so tell us why should our brand be gay even if we are not? <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting. So that's exactly what I wanted to get with this book title is for you to ask that question, right? And so um, I'm actually using the book title as a way to teach the power of branding, uh, which does a few things. And this kind of goes into, you know, how to attract raving fans, right? It's to really engage in a conversation is to get people to ask you to, you know, what, why this <laughs> to tell the story. So really what I'm referring to here is that your brand should evoke an emotion. It should pique curiosity and ostensibly it should attract raving fans or even repel those not so ideal clients or customers that you're looking to attract. So, Truth of the matter is it's kind of open to interpretation. You know, the word gay is a loaded word. It could be your brand should be happy, right? For example, <laughs> but uh, it really it really is an invitation to pose a question. Now, it just so happens to be that I identify as a gay man. And so the book really is about authenticity. Uh, it's the art and science of creating an authentic brand. And so while I don't necessarily wear my uh, sexual preference identity on my sleeve, it's definitely one way for me to just sort of come out, if you will. Um, if you didn't know that I was, well, you, maybe you kind of figured it out now. And that really is the power of an authentic brand is being okay that not everyone is going to love you uh, and that the people who do are more likely going to either resonate 
or become a raving fan. I love the approach of qualifying people out, basically, and of starting conversations. And the qualifying out because you are telling so much about yourself that automatically who, who doesn't want to enter that conversation will go another route and it's fine because you want to connect to the right people, right? And, That's right. Uh, and I, I had an experience when we, when we posted that we are hiring, we used that to convey our values. I was like, how can we, how can we show the soul of who we are? And so we, we did it in a quite contrarian way. We said something like, hey, we are looking for business coaches, but we don't care if you can coach or not. We, we care who you are and then the rest we will teach you. Yeah. And it was short and poignant and very strange for, for, for a job ad, but it was a really good piece of marketing and it has started great conversations. Yeah. Yeah, you bring up a good point. So building a brand is not just about attracting customers, although that is, you know, a large reason why people build brands. But what you just described is an extension of a brand to attract the ideal team members or talent working for your organization. So the way that I approach branding is, is definitely holistic. It's really what's the what is it that you stand for? you know, your beliefs, your ethos, your, your uh, value systems, what is it that you stand for that is going to attract your ideal target audiences? And your target audiences could be customers, it could be the media, it could be channel partners, it could be potential employees, it could be existing employees. And so um, I love that you brought up that example, because that that's definitely one way to apply what you're learning here. Uh, let's just say you're you're fine with attracting clients is your brand also attracting your ideal employees, right? <laughs> and, and then you, you align everything else around that, like the color of your book is aligned. How do you, how do you um, execute on that? How does the conversation continue when you have started it? Yeah, so there's lots of fancy branding jargon, but I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to attempt to communicate this and explain this in, in plain English as much as possible, right? Because branding itself is not rocket science, but it is an art and a science. And so when I talk about brand, I first, I always like to start these interviews with first defining what do I mean by brand? Because it's, it's one of those words that are used in the marketing industry uh, among entrepreneurs, business owners, small to mid-sized businesses. And, and they often get brand and branding and, and marketing interchangeable and confused. So when I say the word brand, I'm referring to my definition, it's a desired perception. And so if brand is a desired perception, you technically don't own your brand and it resides in the minds of the people that you're communicating to. And so therefore branding is the process of creating and shaping and influencing that desired perception. Marketing is one of several vehicles to create, shape and influence that perception. So, okay, so as a foundation, I just wanted to first say that. Now I'm going to unpack your question, right? How do you go about doing that? So once you get clear on what's the perception that you're trying to create, what's the brand, using my definition, what's the perception, the desired perception that you want to create, then you want to look at three broad things. 
and again, I'll try to use plain English. It's what you say, how you look, and how you behave. So the more technical <laughs> advanced terms, what you say, that's sort of the, the tone, the vocabulary, the language, the words that you use in copy in naming your company, in naming your products, in um, uh, in the way that you speak uh, uh, verbally, even with, uh, you know, over the phone, right? V how you look, that's the visual component. And that is sort of the usual suspects. Uh, you brought up one, right? The colors, but also your logo, uh, the photography style, the typography or the fonts that you're using, all of these things create sort of micro impressions. And when, when, when created into a visual system, it sort of creates an overall impression. So that's the visual. And if you're like an in-person, let's say you do events, let's say, you're, you know, let's not just focus on logos and colors, but let's say you have a more retail experience or you're online, uh, your website, or you do events, the look and feel of your events, the signage, the, the all the way down to the napkins and the cups and things like that all creates it a perception. And the last thing is, is how you behave. And this is the tricky one because I'm sure you've heard the phrase, no one remembers what you do for them. They remember how you make them feel. And so how a brand treats its customers along the customer experience or the brand journey is what makes a mark or an impact uh, of your brand. And so you want to pay attention to how does your brand behave in the marketplace? You know, one of the very classic examples, um, and I'm being mindful that this is the international audience, right? So like, you know, there's a department store in the States called Nordstrom, and one of their signature behaviors is that they you buy the, the package and they take the, the bag around the counter and they hand you your purchase. That's a signature uh, brand touch point for Nordstrom. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to express your brand. And so when you look through that filter, all of those things create a perception. The question is, is it the perception that you want? So our brand is outside of our control. It's what people say about us, what they think about us. That's right. But we shape it, and and yes, sometimes I after an event I go like, oh my God, Simon, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Can you be more aware next time and use that word? Because if you if you would have had time to design the answer, you would have said this word and omitted that. But it's two hours too late, so. But every word counts and our behavior counts. And this is what people remember. That's right. That's right. So and if anything, just to, just to piggyback off of what you just said, is that sure, I mean, we're all entitled to make some mistakes, right? Let's say you say something and then you're like, oh, that's not exactly how I intend to say it. Um, and when you take on branding, when you really take on branding as a discipline, as a way of how to approach your business, it almost encourages you and inspires you to think ahead and to start documenting, oh, you know, like Disney, right? They don't call their employees, they call them cast members. You know, Starbucks, it's not small, medium, large, it's 
tall vente grande, right? And so when you're intentional about the uh, um, of the language you're using, then it makes it easier for you when you're live <laughs> to go and communicate that. And then to your point, sometimes after the fact, you're like, oh, that, that word didn't really resonate with our target audiences. Maybe we should fine tune that. Maybe we should tweak that because again, you don't control, excuse me, you don't own your brand. It resides in people's minds. The only thing you can really do is to try to influence it. And when you're not getting the desired perception you want back, then you course correct. Then you sort of modify and adapt. At the same time, I will say this. I think this is really important to say. There's two parts to this, right? It's not just responding to the market, but it's also being clear who you are and who you're not. And so there's a delicate balance where you're not adapting to who you are just to appease to the market. It's also standing in who you are and making sure that the people who you are trying to attract are resonating with how you're communicating and what you're saying. Yes, and I have found that now I have a good balance of not just doing events, but also writing emails and writing chapters of the book. I'm also writing a book right now. So because in the writing, I have the time to design the flow of words and to be precise. And in the live event, it's more about the moment and the heart and, and just connecting. And it will not be perfect. I know. And it's fine. It's not about that. It's about being present and holding space and being there for others. That's right. Uh, and, and as you say, but we practice that when we write, when we design that sequence of emails, that chapter of a book, and where every word counts and gets rewritten. Yeah. Um, and uh, I... I'm learning to to appreciate both of these practices because yeah. they they interact. Uh, let's go back for a second. So we want our brand to stand out and yes. to spark conversations, which right now is pretty hard to do, isn't it? Everybody has Netflix plus Disney plus plus Amazon Prime because they want more and more and more. It's so hard for even Netflix to have one original series stand out. How hard is it for us, the many small businesses, to really stand out? Do you have some examples or thought-provoking um, uh, ideas? Yeah, so uh, the markets that I serve now, like I said, are small to mid-sized businesses. You know, 80% of them are, are service-based businesses, you know, 70, 80% are service-based businesses. The other 30% are more product-based businesses. And so uh, we touched upon one of the aspects and you can roll it up into one thing is like um, really having a clear point of view. You know, you mentioned the word contrarian earlier, right? Being a contrarian in the marketplace is going to lend itself, it's going to yield great returns for you is because, you know, we've all heard the phrase when, you know, when people zig, you zag, right? And so taking a contrarian approach is a great way to separate yourself and to stand out in a crowded marketplace. Uh, so for example, if I'm working with a, a coach or a consultant or a, uh, you know, yeah. an attorney. There are so many consultants. So how right. to differentiate? Yeah, exactly. And so we, we just launched a 
we just launched a, a new brand and she's in the coaching industry. She actually helps uh, uh, professional service companies get into court to land corporate contracts, right, in America. And so aside from there's a whole strategic process, but without getting into the, the weeds of it, when you go to her site, it is unlike anything visually. It's unlike anything in the industry. It's not playing safe. You know, in fact, the look and feel has a very retro, uh, you know, um, uh, Bauhaus kind of, <laughs> of feel to it. The photography that she did has a, a retro feel to it. And that is unheard of. No one in her industry, in the coaching industry, is doing that. And so one of the things, this is actually going to, I'm going to expand on your inquiry by way of another distinction. Personality. And so most people are trying to create a brand that's professional. Now, you might want to have your brand professionally done, but you don't want to have a professional brand. Why? Because professional is not a personality. Think of Oprah or Ellen DeGeneres or, um, you know, uh, lots of the, you know, Dr. Phil. They're all professionals. They're all professional talk show hosts, right? But what makes them stand out is their personality. Where Dr. Phil might be more scientific, Oprah might be more nurturing, and Ellen might be more funny and entertaining. And so you want to have a brand that conveys a distinct personality so that people know who you are and who you're not and what they can count on you for, what they can rely on you for. You know, it would be completely out of integrity if, if Oprah comes out and starts cursing like Gary Vaynerchuk. Or it would be weird if Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, suddenly, um, you know, wasn't like going a million miles per hour. <laughs> right. And so the thing, what makes these brands, whether it's a business brand or an entrepreneur brand, a personality brand, is that they're really putting their personality on a megaphone. The, the third, so we mentioned contrarian, then I mentioned personality, because that's what people buy. <clears throat> the third thing that I like to say is to evoke an emotion. And I'm going to sort of reference the book again that you brought up on, on my thing too, is evoke an emotion, elicit an emotion from people, because 80% of the reason why we buy from companies is based on some sort of emotional connection. And so it, when you're thinking about this, there's many different reasons people buy. There are emotional reasons. There are, uh, in terms of how a brand makes them feel, there are economic reasons in terms of, uh, that's measured in terms of time or money. And then there are functional reasons why people buy. So for example, I have a functional reason to hire a um, Rosetta Stone or to, to buy Rosetta Stone is because I want to learn how to speak Spanish or French, whatever your choice of language is. <clears throat> but then an economic reason to buy maybe a private tutor who teaches you how to speak that language is that you want to be able to learn it faster or you, yeah, you want to be able to learn it faster. So it's in measured in terms of time. Or you want to be able to learn that language so that you can work in another country. Economic, financial reason, <laughs> benefit, right? 
And then the emotional reason might be, hey, I want to learn how to speak Spanish or French because my partner is from, is, speaks this language and I want to have a deeper connection with him or her. And so when you really look at this, look at the emotional reason and then also give people reasons to validate their emotional reason with through logic and reason, the functional and economic. <coughs> Excuse me. I love it. I love it. And so. even if we think our product or service might, might be something rational that you buy for rational reason, even there, I think it's worth thinking about the emotional part. And even if it would be, which most services are not, but even if it would be just a, let's say, a boring, very rational thing, even then we can think of how, it, how we make it feel, right? That's and right. Because it's an interaction between our brand and them. And we can, we can think, how, how do we spark that emotion? It is an emotion. There is an emotion. That's right. Yeah, there, there always is an emotion. I mean, as human beings, we're emotional creatures, right? <laughs> so there is an emotion. But in some instances, even though there's an emotion attached to it, you know, they might think that they're buying it for uh, an economic or financial reason. But I'm sure you've heard the phrase like no one like money itself is not really a motivator. It doesn't really motivate people, but it touches everything that motivates us. It touches everything that is important to us. And so when you get to why, let's say you're in a service-based business and you help people make more money. And this actually goes back to your question too, for coaches and consultants. At the end of the day, just even you could say that my, as a branding agency, we help our clients make a lot more money with the great brand. It's, if that was the neutralizer, like, okay, if you can help me make more money, that just gets you to the table. Now, what else? Now, what's the emotional thing? Are you going to make help me make more money and feel good about it? Are you going to give me peace of mind knowing that I can make it consistently? Are you going to give me um, the confidence knowing that the money that I'm making is is from the people who I met are meant to work with? Because not everyone, if you're in a service-based business, not everyone with a, with a credit card is meant to be your client. It can actually cost you a lot more money to, to take on a client and take money from someone who's not an ideal fit for you. So I thought I'd just put that in, Simon, is that it's really important to make sure that you convey the emotion, even if you're selling economic or functional benefits. Absolutely. And I'm so curious who you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsor. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprints.com slash tools. When everybody's zigging, this person is zigging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do you pick? <laughs> well, I kind of uh, seeded it earlier, but I do pick this uh, a, a client and a colleague and a dear friend of mine. Uh, her name is Angelique Ruers, R-E-W-E-R-S. Her former company name was called The Corporate Agent, which she's had for 10 years. Very successful business. And uh, the new brand is called Bold House, B-O-L-D-H-A-U-S. And, you know, while hearing that word, you might think, oh, that's an interesting name for a 
coaching, consulting, training company. But then when you go to the website and you check out her social media, uh, her photography, it is unlike anything that you, I will probably guarantee that you've ever seen in the coaching industry. So this is a classic example of someone who's really, and when everyone's zigging this way, she, uh, or zagging this way, she sort of went in, in, uh, and, and zigged this way. Um, even just the idea of like, you know, the, you know, the phrase rules weren't meant to be broken. One of the things that we put in her copy, she says, we believe that actually rules weren't meant to be made in the first place. <laughs> and so it's taking this contrarian approach across even all the copies. So Anyway, that's who uh, that's who I would nominate. I love it, and I'm I'm definitely interested to check it out. Also, I'm curious: what are three books that touched you most? You know, interesting. So, de depending on who's listening in, you might think, "Oh, I might pick you know some business books." But I um, and there have been a few business books that have uh, really influenced me quite a bit. But I will tell you. You know, running a business is probably one of the biggest personal development programs you can go through, <laughs> learning about yourself. And so a lot of the, the books that I will recommend is not your traditional business books. Um, for me, The Surrender Experiment by mm -hmm. Michael Singer is one of the most powerful books that I've read. And I think it's really good just to even just recognize that when you just surrender and let your ego get out of the way, <laughs> it would be quite amazing to see what's on the other side of that. The second thing is the second book is called The Path to Love by Deepak Chopra. Mm. And um, I'm a I'm a very I'm very into personal growth and development. I identify as someone who is spiritual. Um, but what I love about this book, whether you're building a business or not, it's a great reminder that everything comes from first loving yourself and give you the capacity and the ability to to love others including loving your business you know a couple of years ago just on a side note like i love my business i loved my business i just fallen out of in love with it and so you know this is like eight years in and so i rebranded and so forth so anyway the path to love uh, uh, a great book and then um The, the third book is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm. <laughs> so you, uh, maybe you've heard of it too, but it, it's also just really good too because personally and even professionally and as business owners, oftentimes you can really get upset about what happened or you had mentioned about getting off stage and you're like, ah, I wish I did this or where you should be or where your company should be or how you're going to, you know, there's all the, this, this dichotomy of like looking at past performance and looking at future performance and what you should do and where you should be. And, and sometimes while it's great to have goals, I think it's also a great reminder to enjoy the journey along the way, particularly in building a business. You know, oftentimes uh, you hear of stories of entrepreneurs who uh, are, are frustrated or they're alone or they're working, pulling the midnight hour and they're just like, oh, I'm not able to live my life. And so if you find yourself alone and you're at the top of your of your business or if you find yourself alone running your business, then you're then you did it all wrong. And so, uh, 
not only being present with the moment, but being able to do it with people and to enjoy the journey, not just the destination. Wow. And uh, I'm super curious, three amazing books. How did they shape your, 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 your life, the way you run your business? The surrender experiment. Did you find a way to surrender more? How, how do you surrender? <laughs> It's a practice. You know, I think, uh, you know, I can't say that I'm, you know, perfect at it. But it's always a great having the awareness of distinguishing when my ego is in the way or when uh, when sometimes it's just a matter of surrendering to what is. Now, to answer your question more properly, my response is this. I think particularly, I mean, my business, when I started it 10 years ago, I went through some personal life-changing events. I went through a, I went through a breakup, which kind of shook me to my core. And that prompted me to, to, I was working in Dubai at the time. And I left that. I went to New York. I took six months off. I went on a spiritual soul retreat in, in Arizona. And the reason I mention all of that is because um, my business was always founded on from a place of purpose and a desire to make a big impact. But uh, how this has shaped my company, these books, over time is that It, it sort of keeps me centered and making sure that if we're taking on a client, is this a client that we are a hell yeah to? Is this a client that we love? When we're taking on uh, a, an employee or a contractor, are we, do we love this candidate? Do we love this employee, right? Um, the day-to-day, -day, am, I, am I spending my time in my zone of genius or am I doing things that I really shouldn't be doing that I don't enjoy? So when things, when you work, when you operate from that place of loving how you're spending your time, loving how you're making money and who you're making money from, and loving the impact that you're making on people's lives, things flow more easily and it's a lot more fulfilling in my humble opinion. Wow. And so we touched also the path of love. And now I'm interested in in the power of nows. What, what can we do if we find ourselves like overthinking, thinking forward, thinking backwards? What can we do? <laughs> you know, I'll give you a very tactical example. If you think about it, when you're laughing, you're in the present moment. So bring more comedy or humor in your life. When you're, when you're laughing, you're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're in the present moment. <laughs> so that's a very tactical example. I mean, I can obviously give you some like more heady sort of things like, oh, take a breath and think, you know, are you, do you have anxiety about the future or do you have regret about the past? That's all the intellectual stuff. And that's still there. I love the but, part. Yeah. Because everybody can do it, right? Kids do it all the time. Right. And uh, I, I have my buttons here where I can start something that, that <laughs> nice. the, See? that most beautiful. I love that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely full of gems here. I, I will read uh, s some of them I have already and, uh, and the others I will read and report. Awesome. I love them. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and so we have now 
found a way to stand out a little bit, to not be the same as everybody else. We have started this conversation. Now you say, now we can turn them into super fans, not just clients. Can you unpack that? Yeah. And so everything I've been discussing is sort of, um, I mean, attracting raving fans will be a byproduct of if you do all of that, right? If you get clear on, on what your brand is and what it's not, when you have a point of view, when you take a contrarian approach, when you exude your personality, when you, you know, uh, when you, um, in the present moment, all those things, right? When you are in love and you evoke emotion, the byproduct of that is attracting raving fans. And uh, I would say that the other, th and when how you want to relate to that word attracting raving fans, it's not necessarily about a customer or a client. Now, you may want that, and you will probably most likely will get that. But it's building a community of people who support you and who want to champion you and who they may not be the right person to hire you, but they might recommend you. And so your brand then lives out there on its own and it creates a life on its own and it does the work for you. And I think that's why I, I just want to say this because I think it's really important when I particularly when I make the distinction between branding and marketing is, you know, Marketing is great. Uh, oftentimes, it's predicated on having um, a funnel or a campaign. And But if you stop your campaigns or your funnels, will you still make money is the question. When you focus on building a brand, you can have that continue to make money for you regardless if you're doing a launch of the year or a campaign or whatever. So, it, you know, and, and I speak to that with credibility in that, you know, when the, when the pandemic hit, we did not find a dip in our business because we, for the for 10 years, have been focused on making sure that we do great work and that we are true to our brand, that we're not trying to just grab a one-time client or customer it's about creating relationships <laughs> and raving fans. So um, so it's more, I guess my response is more really around how to relate to that byproduct and, and a reminder to, to do all those things to, to, get, to, uh, to get the result that you want to, as, a, as a raving fan. Super cool. Who is your ideal client? Who of the people listening right now and resonates and say, oh, I love this stuff. I, I, I should contact him. Who should contact you and who should not contact you? Uh, that's a good point. So uh, there's there's five to seven bullet points that we have, but I'm going to share the top three. So one, we primarily work with businesses that are operating from a place of purpose. And I'm sure you've heard of the book, uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, right? And so that that popularized the idea of having a purpose. So we we work with businesses that are conscious businesses that are purpose-driven or impact-driven. We don't work with businesses that are just in it to make a lot of money regardless of the transformation or regardless of making an impact on people. The second thing that we look for, we, we, we do really well with more established businesses. And uh, that doesn't mean to say that we don't work with some startup businesses. They might be funded or they might be emerging. They might have other businesses. That's fine. But... 
our sweet spot is businesses that have had some proof of concept in the marketplace. So they're generating anywhere between 1.5 to, to 20 million is our sweet spot. So we have some outliers, right? That might be above that. So you have to have enough of a, of a revenue stream or proof of concept of your business. So we don't typically work with startups per se or, or solopreneurs who aren't interested in building a business. They're just probably have more of like a lifestyle practice. And then the third thing is um, uh, they have to be someone who, you know, have you ever heard the phrase where it's like, if you ever get stuck in a cabin in a snowstorm, are you like a, oh shit, or are you a, <laughs> or a hell yeah. And so it's gotta be someone that we can have lunch with or dinner with or have a drink with or be able to hang out with. And so if we can't be in the same room, we probably shouldn't work together because then it becomes more of a transaction rather than a relationship. So those are our top three, you know, there's some other main ones, but I think it, I think the revenue would be different from business to business. But if you're listening in, I encourage you to even adopt the other, you know, the other two <laughs> life's life's so much more fulfilling building a business when you're, when you're really wanting to make an impact and you have a purpose and, um, and that you just naturally love being of service to those customers or clients that you work with. And how can people find out if they are that or the other category? Where do you hang out? Where can people contact you? Yeah, so um, a good starting point is, is our main site. So my agency, I know we led with my book, but my agency is called Branding for the People. So brandingforthepeople.com. We're also on Instagram at branding for the people. And, um, you know, and also if you wanted to, you know, get the first three chapters of my book for free, it's on yourbrandshouldbegay.com. You know, if it encourages you to buy it, great. But if you just want to get a taste of it, that's a great place. So aside from that, I, I hang out like you, you know, in, in the, uh, the interwebs, the digital space. Uh, and then occasionally I, I speak at some events. So that's me. I'm going to follow you immediately on Instagram when this is over. And uh, who should be my next guest? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it, can it be the same person that I just nominated? Um, actually, you know, so it could be Angelique. I mean, I almost feel like I want to nominate two of them. But I, the one that I came prepared to discuss is a gentleman by the name of Brent Weaver, who's also a, a friend and a colleague and a client. He also... Um, he works with a lot of digital agencies, um, uh, web professionals. His company is called YouGurus. So that's U-G-U-R-U-S.com. Amazing guy. I think the, your, your community is going to love him. He's just a heart of gold uh, and just an amazing entrepreneur and business owner. Branding for the people. Here it is. <laughs> colorful beautiful i found it thank you so much and uh, thank you for sharing so generously your journey your impact your purpose books and people thank you so much please come back soon thank you simon thank you so much be well avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work we have 274 templates for your business success Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.